Good evening and welcome back to Underground Online. Um, hopefully this is one of the last few times we're doing it online, but we will see what happens. Um, tonight we're going to open up with prayer. Some of the prayer requests tonight are the same as they've been. We must continue to pray for each other. Um, just pray for us as we go through this unique time. Let's pray for the country. Pray for those who are making decisions that they wouldn't make wise ones. That wouldn't be based on political or any other kind of things, but just on the safety and the health of the citizens of the country, of the state. Um, also, let's pray. We need to pray for our nursing home residents. And let's, let's pray for the church as we make decisions on what we will do these next few weeks. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you so much for who you are and all that we have because of who you are. Lord, I just pray that you'd be with us, that you would guide, that you would direct, and just help us to hear from you tonight, Lord. We do think of just our country right now, Lord. We just pray that you'd be guiding those who are making decisions, that they would be making decisions based on what is best for the country, what is best for the citizens, Lord. And we do pray for um, us. Um, we pray for our leaders. We pray for Amanda and Chad. And we pray for the students as we go through this, Lord, that you just guide and direct and just help us to see who you are, Lord. I do pray for the church, Lord. I pray that you would guide us as we make decisions, Lord, that we would be making the best decisions to honor and glorify you, Lord. I do think of our nursing home residents, Lord. I just pray that you'd be with them, guide guide those who are taking care of them, Lord. And also, we just pray that you'd be with them and just give them peace, Lord, and just help them to remember who you are, Lord. I do pray that as we study tonight, Lord, that we will see the truth about who you have made us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know how it is for you, but sometimes I sit back and I like to think, well, who am I? Um, you know, I have different titles that I go by. I go by the title of a husband, a father, a pastor, a missionary, FCA leader, team time guy, different titles like that. You know, and those are all titles that have been man-given to me. But sometimes I think, well, what would happen if I didn't do FCA? Would that really be that really make me somebody different if I didn't actually teach the classes, if I just, you know? Or what if I didn't do this and stuff like that? You know, I've thought about that. i thought about what, re what really makes me who I am. As I thought about that, I couldn't help but think about names that I've seen in the Bible. I was studying in Daniel this week, and I just saw some of the different names Daniel was called. So some of the different names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were called. And, you know, I saw that, and I saw the change in their names and the difference that they that made. That made me wonder throughout Scripture, what are some different names that God has used for us? As we come to 1 John 1, I'm sorry, 1 John 5, 1 through 5 tonight, we see that we are actually given a different name. That Christ tells us we're something, or that John tells us through inspiration that we are something different because of Christ. Um, but before we dive in with the new name he gave us tonight, the new title we received, um, I want to look back at some of the other titles I saw in the New Testament as I was looking at this. And the first one is found in 1 Thessalonians 1.7. It says, So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Um, we are believers. In order to be an example to the believers, you have to be a believer. So you, you see that first thing, believers. And those are anybody who believes in Christ. So we see that right away this takes off with our relationship with Christ. Then Acts 11.26 says this, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for the whole year. They met in the church, and they taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So Christians, or Christ follower, that's a name that we receive, a title we receive, because of Christ, because of the work of Christ. 
Galatians 4.28 says, Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. We've been called children of promise. Pretty amazing, right? Um, John 15.15 15 might be one of my favorites. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, that you may have heard from my father and made known to him. So we are friends of Jesus. Not because we're awesome. Not because Jesus is like, man, you should see that John Rutherford. I want him to be my friend. No, it's because of what Christ did. Because of his sacrifice. Because of his power over death and over sin. It allows me to come into that when I have that relationship with him. Um, Matthew 28.10 Then Jesus said to him, Do not be afraid and go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there they will see me. So we see we're called brothers. We're called sisters in Christ. Um, Acts 9.13 but Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. This is when the Lord has appeared to Saul, um, and his eyes are not covered, and Ananias is supposed to go help him. And Ananias is like, hey, I know what he's done to the saints. So as believers, we are called saints. We've been set apart. Um, Philippians 2.25 I have thought it necessary to send you to Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger, and to minister to my need. So we see brother, we see worker, and we see soldier. Names or titles that we've been given. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so close, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. For in Christ we are a witness. And then Philippians 2.15 says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights of the world. So in these verses tonight, we've seen, that last one's lights of the world, by the way. Um, we've seen that we're brothers in Christ. We see that because of Christ, we are saints. We are soldiers. We are witnesses. We are friends of Jesus. We are lights to the world. Those are just a few of the titles that we receive because we're in Christ. But as we come to 1 John 5, 1-5 here, I see one that we receive that I think is just so amazing that it's being taught in the underground at a time like this. I would love to say I planned it out to have this message for you guys as we're going through all this stuff. But I'm not that smart. You guys know I'm not that smart. But through God's providence, here we are. And 1 John 5, verse 1 says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him by this we know that we are the children of god when we love god and obey his commandments for this is the love of god that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for everyone who's been born of god overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that jesus is the son of god so did you notice what we are called there in verse four we are called over Comers. We have overcome the world. Isn't that an amazing thing? You have been called an overcomer. <clears throat> Do you guys know what an overcomer is? I'm glad you asked. Because the definition of an overcomer is a victor or a winner. So you've been called a winner. Isn't that nice? You've been called a victor. You've seen what happens in order to be the victor, in order to be the winner, you have to defeat the enemy. You have to defeat the opponent. You have to overcome them. Um, the word means to gain victory or to conquer. So it says, hey, 
you are a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You've gained victory. You've overcome this. You got to listen to how we are able to be overcomers, though. A lot of people say, well, that's awesome. I'm an overcomer. I can overcome anything. These are the same people that misuse Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Then they go out and they jump up and they try to dunk a basketball. And they realize that they're 5'2", 220 pounds. They can't even jump close to the net, let alone the rim. Oh, what's wrong? That's taken out of context. So us being overcomers, there's a context for that. That context is that in Christ, we are overcomers through our faith. Because this is a victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. It is our faith in Christ that allows us to overcome the world. Um, One of my favorite verses and one that I've been going back to quite a bit during this stay-at-home order is John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus, these are Jesus' words here. He says, I've overcome the world. And now that we are in him, now that we have faith in him, now that we have come into his family, now that we are believers, that we're abiding in him, we can have that same victory. We can overcome the world. So how do we become overcomers? Through Jesus Christ. That is the only way we can become an overcomer. That's an amazing thing. Because of Jesus, we are able to be an overcomer. Um, so one of the things he tells us in there is kind of how we can know if we're overcomers or not. He talks about our love for God, our love for others. He also talks about his commands. Um, you know, it says, <laughs> if you're loving him, you're going to keep his commands. Here's the thing. A lot of people, they look at his commands and they say, man, these are a burden. Do I really have to obey my parents? <laughs> Do I really have to not lie? Do I really have to seek him? Um, is, this, is this really stuff I have to do? But you know what these commands do. These commands weren't put there to make it so that we didn't know how to live. Uh, and they didn't make it so that we could live without having fun. They put it there so we did know how to live. How uh, we know how to live the Christian life. I was reading my devotions this morning. It talks, I'm doing one on how to be a better father. And one of the things it talks about is how as a father, I have to set boundaries for my kids. I have to let them know, this is what you need to do in order to survive. This is what you need to do in order not to be electrocuted. I need to teach them that they don't go play in the middle of the road. I should put a boundary before the road. You know, these commands, they teach us how to live a life for Christ. These aren't commands that are have come to be burdensome. These are commands that have come to keep us, to sh keep us where we should be and walking with Christ. And when we're truly walking with Christ, when we're truly loving Him, we're going to look at these commands and be like, that's easy. Why would I want to lie? Why would I want to do this? I want to do what makes him happy. And that's all about being an overcomer. Because one of the things we do when we're overcomers, we overcome our sin. Not because I'm awesome and I'm 5'10 and I can overcome my sin. I'm 36 years old and I can overcome my sin because I'm awesome. No, it's because of who Jesus is. He's the one who gives me victory over sin. He's the one who's given me victory over death. He's the one who's given me eternal life. It's because of him I can overcome. Because of that, I look at these commands like, man, these are easy. I mean, look what he did. Um, a lot of people say, well, eh, that sounds good, but love and the law, they don't really work together. They're kind of contrary to each other. Um, but you know, here's what happens. The law shows us what needs to be done. Just like an MRI. I go in with a hurt knee. I go into that MRI and it shows me, hey, you have something messed up in there. It doesn't fix it though. But you know what happens? Here we see 
that this love, this love that we receive through Christ, this love we have become abiding in him, allows us to do that. His love for us fixes the problem. You know, the law shows us what needs to be done, and love is what enables us to do it. They don't contradict each other. They are complementary to each other. And that is what happens. Because of his commands, because of his love, because of everything he's shown us, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we have victory. We are overcomers if we are in Christ. But what do we overcome? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. We overcome the world. We overcome the things in the world. We overcome the sin. We overcome the schemes of Satan. Once again, we don't do it on our own. It's all through Christ. But we are overcomers. These things that are sent out to get us down, these things that are sent out to defeat us, we now have victory over them. We can now conquer them through Jesus Christ. So 1 John 1, I'm sorry, 1 John 5, 1 through 5, tells us, you know what? You're overcomers. Because of what Jesus did, you overcomers, you saints, you believers, you Christians, you soldiers, you brothers, you friends, you can overcome what Satan throws at you because you belong to me. You know, so as I thought about that, I thought about why is it important to remember this? You know, I thought about this. The world is getting worse every day and it can cause us to panic. Um, Coronavirus, COVID-19, causing lots of panic. Um, world is under attack. Marriage is under attack. We talked about that in youth group in Sunday Night Youth last week. Identity is under attack. Um, instead of he and she, they have it, me, we, they. Right? It's under attack. Um, the Christian is under attack. Christianity is under attack. We live in a post-Christian America. That's what we're living in. We really are. So Christianity is under attack. So why is it important to remember that we're overcomers? Because all this world is throwing at us, we have victory. You know, as I thought about what can we take home from this, what can we learn from this this week, I had this thoughts: If we are in God, we are secure. When we're in Christ, we are secure. We don't have to be in a panic about the things that are going on around us. He's already won the victory. He's already defeated the things that are going on around us. He's already had the victory over that. We don't need to worry about the COVID-19. I'm not saying we don't need to worry about getting sick. I'm not saying we don't need to worry about following guidelines to keep others safe. I'm saying that we know in the end who the true victory belongs to, and that's to Jesus. See, here's the problem. A lot of the times we get caught up in what's going on around us, we forget about who truly has the victory, who truly has overcome everything. His book tells us how it all ends. It tells us how believers are going to be with him forever. So as believers, we are secure in God. We are safe, and we are overcomers because of that, because of the victory that Christ has already won. So I just want to encourage you this week, remember that you're an overcomer. Because of what Jesus has done for you, you are an overcomer. And maybe you're watching this and you haven't come to Jesus for saving, to save you yet. You know what? Get a hold of me. Get a hold of Pastor. We would love to sh share with you how you can be part of that victory. Let's pray.